You are listening to the Extraordinary Events Podcast with Dr. K, episode number 80. Welcome to the Extraordinary Events Podcast, where we aim to educate, inspire, and empower individuals who wish to design transformational experiences. Now, your host, event education champion, Dr. Kristen Mallet. Hello, hello. Welcome everybody who's listening in onto our wonderful podcast episode today. We have such a special treat in store for us. I have got in the studio with me, I have got Janet Spearstead, who is faculty director at Madison College, event extraordinaire in all things. Wait until you hear all of the wonderful, amazing things that Janet's involved in. She actually is faculty director at Madison College, which is how I know her, in addition to some of our industry associations. She was in charge of creating the first associate's degree in event management in the United States. So definitely someone who is setting the direction in our industry. Janet, tell all of our wonderful listeners today, tell us a little bit about your background and how you ended up where you are. Hello, friends I haven't met yet. I'm Janet. I am in Madison, Wisconsin. I started out in the industry working for an association, planning their national uh, events. And I, you know, in my career, I've had five decades uh, of being on this planet and three decades of working the industry. And when I started out, I fell into it. I have a degree in criminal justice um, and I did not want to be a cop. I really want to work for the federal government. Um, And I was on waiting lists. And while I was on a waiting list to be called, I got connected to somebody who plans events and said, hey, come help me. And so I said, okay, if you'll pay me. They did. I worked registration and I'm like, what the heck is this? And they kept going rolling and rolling and rolled into a part-time job, which turned into a full-time job. And then I worked for a distributor of beauty products, planning uh, their 10,000 person exhibition for a number of years. Um, So yes, the beauty products of OPI, Creative Nail, um, uh, Paul Mitchell, all those big brands that we know at the, at the salons. Uh, that's what I did is I worked with those individuals to buy our products. We were the distributor. And it was really fun, really creative, but I wanted to go a little bit bigger. So I worked for a Fortune 200 company. So I worked with that company for a number of years and learned the most valuable thing you can learn is what you don't like. Life is more about, you know, right away when you don't like something than when you do, you're like, eh, that's okay. I learned I wasn't a corporate animal. I learned that, that, that pace, that culture, what I was doing wasn't the right fit. Um, so I left it. I left it without a job. I just knew it wasn't the right fit. And I had to be true to myself to do good work. And so I left and then, uh, people started calling me to plan their events. And I turned them down. I'm like, no, 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 I don't want to do that. And after the third call, I'm like, wait a minute, Janet, the universe is sending you a message. Are you going to listen? So the next time someone called me and said, hey, will you help me plan my event? I'm like, sure. So I started my own company and I planned events uh, for a number of different organizations, nonprofits, corporate associations for a number of years. Um, And in that process, I also got to uh, speak at the local community college Um, And learned that what I really love is helping people connect to their potential and share the vibrancy in the beauty of event management. Um, It's an amazing career that has so many facets, that has so many opportunities for you as an individual to explore your talents. There is a place for you. I know it. 
because so many services skills are used in our industry that somewhere some company is connected to producing creating designing events and exhibitions and there's a place for you so if you're creative if you like to have things change meaning you're multi, you can do multitasking you learn how to handle stress because it is stressful everything looks good on paper to add humans and so if you can handle all those things but you like the diversity of change you like the opportunity to learn different things and try different things and you lead from the bottom up you lead your peers and you lead from the top down all of that is available in our industry so it's just been a dynamic and a fun journey that I'm so blessed to have. I absolutely love how you went from like your background to being like a motivational speaker for <laughs> listening. I think that that was just incredible. And you're being so humble and all of the incredible things you're doing. So I'm going to pick on you for that later. Talk about some of your successes, which is right. great. Okay. So one thing that I love to ask is I always love to ask as you look at the industry five to 10 years ago, but I really think our industry has shifted just so dramatically over the last 18 months. So it's going to be a different type of question here. So when you look at the last 18 months, what's happened in events, when you look at event professionals, how they were pre-COVID, during COVID, I do air quotes as I say post-COVID because we're still in COVID, but you right. understand right. what I'm saying there. Uh, when you think about that, what do you think is, is the greatest shift or the greatest thing that uh, you've seen or is needed or is necessary? You know, obviously two things that people are tired of hearing being flexible and being agile that goes for any human being on this planet, right? Because every day, the sands of uncertainty we are standing on, but I think for our industry specifically, when we think about going from a live to a virtual event, connecting people. Our job is about humans. It's not about beds and heads. It's not about digital platforms. It's about people. And we bring people together to advance business. That is the essence of what we do. And so whether it's virtually hybrid, whatever name you want to put on it live, that is what we need to do. And right now we need to learn our digital and our virtual um, terminology, platforms, and our skills. And so those of us who have been in the industry a while are brushing up on it because the main modality of what we've done has been live experiences. It's what the consumer and businesses wanted. It's not what we want. Our needs are not important. There, there's no role for our needs in here as event professionals. We respond to what to our consumers, attendees want, and businesses want. They're the ones that are funding it. Those are the people coming to it. And so when we look at virtual events, you know, those in the industry need to skill up and those who are entering it need, need to understand the platforms they're walking into and need to know that what happened before COVID, the levels of standards of service and products that were, that were established by those who are in the industry. And so it's not about just those attendees and those businesses, but we know what's expected before it's expected because most time People don't know what they need until they see it. And most people don't understand what it takes to plan meetings and events. So knowing the standards of service and products that were delivered pre-COVID is so important for those entering this industry. And it's not as casual as what it is in COVID. 
we're very casual right now. We're very casual in our language, our dress, and how we socialize, how we interact with each other, how we welcome each other. It is a very formal process because it's business. And so we need to keep sharp on how we connect and how we talk to people and how we make sure that the virtual handshake is warming and welcoming and status isn't dropped and people are fearful. We have to think of all those aspects of it because at the end of the day, we are in the business of people, not technology and not beds and heads and not meeting rooms. So I think it's a blend of going back to the old and knowing what it was, what happened before, because those businesses and those attendees are still in the marketplace. And so, and so are the professionals doing it and those entering it are coming in with new vibrant technology um, data points and skills that can help us accelerate what we do virtually, what we do in hybrid. Uh, and so I think as we look in the future for the next year, uh, you know, yeah, you know, everyone is, is sure of like, well, it's going to be hybrid. People don't like, don't like being virtual when it's a live event and people don't like it live when it's a virtual event. How do you handle it? At the end of the day, people vote with their feet, whether it's virtual feet or live feet. And I think that we will find that those who are in a live experience invest in it, want to have a very intimate, meaningful live experience and virtual interrupts that. So I don't think we'll see many hybrids. It's too hard to really connect the two. Um, and those that are digital really want a meaningful experience and want to be able to have it accessible when they want it, how they want it and interact in that moment, which is a very different kind of construct of how you design that event. So I think in my, the way I see it, I see it as two separate things really moving forward. And the event professional has to think about the objectives. What do we want to achieve in this experience? And what's the best modality to achieve it? And so I think those things will be the points that we really start to go down where before it was like, why are we having it? Who's coming? I think the who is going to be pushed back a little bit and really think when we talk about why, what modality is going to help us? What's the best next investment we need to make in bringing that value to the market and to the attendees? I love that because you not only reflected some over the past 18 months, but also where you think that we need to go over the next year, which of course will be my next question, but I'm actually going to throw one in there too. So one thing that I've really seen a lot over the last year, year and a half is this division of people that were embracing change, moving forward, um, adapting, quote unquote, being flexible. And then you see the people who are trying to wait it out. The people who are like, I'm just going to wait till COVID happens. And then we're going to get back to the normal and the pre-COVID so are you seeing similar kinds of mindsets and perspectives and what's your response in those situations? No one likes change. No one likes change. We like differences and we like doing different things, right? But we only like change when it's self-inflicted. <laughs> so much of what this change has been has not been, you know, about what we want and how we do it. It's been just given to us by our environments and the business and the economy and the world and pandemic. And so no one likes it. No one wants that change. And I, I think it's human nature. I mean, I, I have some background in neuroscience and I know what we fear the most is uncertainty. And the brain wants to do the very thing it can't, which is predict the future. So for those who are waiting it out, it's because, you know, are they, why? 
what's driving that? You, you can't wait anything out. Life has changed. Business has changed. How people expect and look at events has changed. You wait it out. Guess what's going to go away? Your job. You know, so really it's about reskilling and upskilling, looking at what you do. If you're in the industry, take a look at what you do. And if it was event management, it's not called upon in your company or you're, it's, you're, you're found without a job. Look at project management. Like we are skilled in project management. We just don't look at it that way. We are skilled in communication. We are skilled in designing um, talking points. We are skilled at uh, team building and bringing groups of people together for a certain reason. All those skills can be applied in business. So it's like it's almost stripping back what you look at and what you do and use a different language. But those skills are still valuable. Those skills are still needed in business. So you mentioned reskilling and upskilling. So when you are looking at where you think the industry is going to be in the next two years, when you look at all the shifts that we're going to have, not just with the virtual versus hybrid and the technology, when you look at where you think fundamentally incorporating sciences and neuroscience and, and all those shifts forward, what can people do now to reskill or upskill, where do you, if you had like two tips of reskilling and upskilling, what are things you're building into your classroom to make sure that some of those senior, you know, second year students going out into the industry, what are you making sure that they have? What are you recommending to other people to um, get their head around as they go forward? First, one thing that everyone has is, but it's something that needs to be nurtured, curiosity. If you think you know everything, you're done. You don't. Like one of the things that's been really helpful in my success, my personal success, is I am constantly curious. Um, and so I'm not interested in or curious about everything, but I was really curious about how the human brain is really influencing people's behavior, which is affecting their performance at events, which is helping drive ROI. That's what I was curious about. It's, and I've written three white papers on it for the industry. Turns out there was an appetite for it because we're in the business of humans. So look at what you're curious about and draw a clear line. Like, how can this be of value? So the easy answer is technology, right? Like it's, it's going to be part of our world forever. And it has been for many, many decades. But what we're talking about is what about technology? Do you, you know, if do you really are interested in how technology interfaces so it becomes seamless in an event? Well, then you're talking about AI. You're talking about anticipating, um, looking at some of those for my students, some of those classes that that you can take and getting certificates, micro certificates in that. Um, but always look at that skill at how it applies to our world. The real value in knowing something is what you can do with it. And so if you're curious about a certain thing, if you're really curious, the event design, you know, looking at what's the value of it? How can I bring it to my company? Where can I really share this knowledge with my industry? Um, being able to bring application to the work you do is critical. So there's a myriad of things that I, depending on who the person is, but I really tell them curiosity is essential. And I know that sounds really lame because it's a soft skill but it's true. I think it's, it's, I know from the moment a student walks in 
my classroom, whether it's live or virtual, I can start to gauge their success on how curious they are, how open they are to new ideas and new things. Um, and I work at a learning institution, right? I mean, you expect people to, but guess what? People are people. So I would just say, you know, really being curious and following the trends. Like no one has a crystal ball. No one can predict the future. And no matter where you are in your career, you don't know what's going to happen. So watch and look at the language. Even if you don't understand what's being said, look at the language that's being used. Because at some point, you're going to want to go out in the industry and have those conversations. And you want to use the language that people are using to understand it more and to advance your knowledge and also advance your company. I love that. And I think that's one of the main reasons why we clicked at the beginning is because passion, curiosity, and the belief that events should be in business. <laughs> Which, that's, that's a whole nother podcast right there. Right, right. Uh, so I think you probably get a similar question to what I get all the time, though you are much more suited to answer it. You were so humble in the beginning of talking about the things that you were involved in. You got to this point of like your background and then you turned into motivational speaker, but you are involved in so many things. You have been just a, a true changer, like visionary for our industry. You've been involved in setting standards and in committees, you've won countless awards. So we have a lot of students that listen to the podcast. We have a lot of young professionals and even people that are well advanced in their careers. So I'm just going to ask you a blanket statement of how are you so successful? Why are you so successful? How did you get there? What's, what's behind all of that? Share some tips with us. You know, I think um, on the personal side, I just mentioned it, curiosity, you know, that's been instrumental in my career. Uh, I never expected to be an educator. I was a square peg in a round hole for a long time. Um, and life is like your career is like life. It's a journey. It's not a destination. So it will be healthy and vibrant as you are healthy and vibrant. So you need to look at being curious. You need to take care of yourself. You need to be physically healthy. You need to be mentally healthy. You need to augment those deficits and those problems that you have the best that you can. Because helping people be successful means that you're successful and you got to be on your game. And you really need to be prepared to sacrifice. I've sacrificed a lot. I've volunteered at my own financial cost. I volunteered in my own evenings at my family's cost. I volunteered, and you can hear I'm volunteering, volunteering, and I volunteer to put myself in positions that I don't know that I'm qualified for, which means, right? I say yes, and I'm like, oh gosh, can I really do that? But it means I'm willing to learn and I start following people that I want to be like. I watch them. I listen to them. I look at them. I see what they're reading. I see where they go. I see what events they go to. So I really learn from others and I try to mimic those best pieces that fit Janet. And I think that's the other thing is being authentically you, which doesn't mean your needs get met first. It doesn't mean your personality drives first. It doesn't mean being your self out in the industry all the time, because I morph into a different person based on the scenario. I'm a lesbian. I've been out in the industry for years. Um, I haven't always been out within my community of my business because I could be fired for it. 
but I have been authentically myself. Being lesbian is one piece of me. I'm first a woman and a businesswoman and then a lesbian. And so being true to who I am is really important because I bring my best self. And I now, I always think about every day, there is a young lesbian out in the industry that is scared because being different, being a minority, you can get killed, fired, beat up, all those horrible things. They still exist today, even with these legal rights. So there's a real risk. But I know when I do something out in, out in the industry or I do something in my classroom, I have a young lesbian or an older lesbian that needs to see you can do it. And that's what happened. Someone showed me early on, you can do that. And so being your authentic self means that you will be that same person every day and people can be consistent and trust you. And that really helps people because one of the most important things that I keep, I hold true to my heart is integrity which means I also say no to things. I will no. If you say yes to everything, no is meaningless. If you say no, yes becomes. You have to be very careful what you say yes and no to. And my integrity is so important. Respect is given to you by your actions. You have no control over it. Everyone else does, but you have all the control over your integrity. And that's been so important to me in my career. I feel like I should have like seeded you this ahead of time. And like, I should pay you for these responses. It's so many of the things that we talk about authenticity and integrity. And it's just, we hear that so much and it doesn't necessarily resonate with everybody, but the more and more we talk about it and the importance of it, I just absolutely love that. I know you have to leave here in a second. So if uh, any of our amazing listeners, we have so many amazing listeners from almost every single continent in the world. It blows my mind. Thank you all so much. If any of our amazing listeners want to get in touch with you, what is the best way? Email or LinkedIn or, or how should people connect? You know, I, um, I always look at my email because it's my work. Um, and you can find me on jspersted at madisonbellagecollege.com. And Kristen will share that with you. Um, and I'm on LinkedIn. I don't always check it, but I'm often on it um, because I speak out in the industry all the time and I do things and I share articles. So I check that, you know, at least once a week. But if you need something, you know what? The world's a small place. If you need something, I need something. And so we're all connected. And when we help each other, we just make the world a better place. So feel free to reach out. It'd be my pleasure and honor to connect with you. So incredible. Well, thank you so much, Janet, for taking the time with us today and for sharing with our amazing listeners. I will definitely put your contact info in our show notes so people can connect with you. And thank you to all of our amazing listeners. We know that time is valuable. Time is is something that you can't just get back. And we always thank you for taking the time to make the time to listen to us. And with that, we will talk with you soon. Thank you for listening to the Extraordinary Events Podcast. Stay tuned for our next episode.